Hi, everyone. Right, it's great seeing all of you today. Um, if you're returning as students, if you're out of town, I think maybe some of you, uh, welcome back. Hope you had a great summer. If you're joining us today as new students or uh, young adults, we welcome you. Uh, my name is Aiden. I'm the pastor of this church. Hope you're enjoying this uh, time with us uh, today, and uh, hope you also get to know our church as a church community that you're welcome to join and belong to. Uh, now it's my privilege to introduce to you uh, our speaker for today. Uh, Pastor Milo Cho uh, is here with us today. Uh, Pastor Milo and uh, his wife Natalie have four children and they have been serving in Thailand for the past 18 years, correct? And I believe he's entering a new chapter in his ministry uh, as he is um, involved in church planting um, uh, in the city of Bangkok. And I really look forward to hearing more about this, uh, as well as how him and his family are doing, uh, as he's about to share with us in a moment. And our church has been partnering with uh, Pastor Milo and his family for many years now, and uh, it's, you know, it's been quite a privilege to witness all that you know, God's been doing uh, through his ministry in Thailand. And it's our great joy to have him here today in Minnesota and uh, CLC today. And in fact, I just heard that Archer is the last church he'll be visiting before he goes back to uh, Thailand after three months of traveling. So we're really privileged. Um, I also want to say that this is a great opportunity for our church. Um, in this summer, as we had some missionaries visiting us, um, I don't know if you remember, back in June, we had Pastor Joanne Joyce from uh, Middle East. And uh, I think you know, my hope and prayer is that, that we grow um, to be a church that has our horizon you know, beyond uh, Twin Cities, uh, but that we care about the world and what God is doing and how we can be a part of what he is doing uh, in other parts of the world as we you know, support our missionaries and pray for them uh, in various ways. So with that in mind, uh, let's give a very warm and hospitable CLC welcome to our uh, Pastor Milo uh, today. Hello, testing. Oh, thank you, Pastor Aiden. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been a while since our family has actually been in Thailand, and uh, this is actually the end of, my, uh, of our family's home ministry assignment for, the, for about three months. And so it's weird because the last time we were in the States was in 2018. We actually visited uh, your uh, our church back in 2018 as well. But uh, 2018 and then 2023, America are very, is a very, very different place. And so it's funny because as our family has been in, we, our family left the United States when we were, oh, uh, back in 2005, you can see that picture there. And so we've actually been there in, for 18 years. Our, uh, our youngest actually was born in Thailand. And so our family has grown uh, even in numbers. Um, and it's really an amazing thing to think that, that the Lord has, has really made Thailand our home. And um, for our kids, uh, they feel like Thailand is their home. And for us, Thailand is really our home. So as I'm here in America, as I'm kind of rounding the end of my trip, I'm kind of antsy to go back <laughs> to Thailand. Like last night, I stayed up because uh, for listening to our Thai church service online, and I was participating in a meeting online last night as well. And so I'm just kind of eager to go back as well. But it's really a blessing for us to be able to visit face-to-face uh, the churches that have been supporting us and praying for us and uh, supporting us financially through these many years. And so we're really thankful um, because 
we know that uh, it's really impossible for us to be in Thailand without having the support and the prayers of, uh, of brothers and sisters here in the U.S. praying for us. So we do have four kids. And um, so our youngest, who went back with my wife already, um, she are, he is uh, a junior in high school. And then next is our number two. She is finishing her senior year uh, studying education at Calvin University. Uh, second from the right, our oldest, she is actually going to be a second year teaching middle school math, which she's already started in Grand Rapids. And then also our young, our number three, who's on the far right, he's starting, he's starting classes tomorrow at Wash U. Uh, in St. Louis, and which is kind of my hometown. So I myself am Korean-American. I was born in Korea, but I grew up in the United States, just outside of St. Louis. And then my wife, she's Thai. Um, so she was born in, Thai, uh, in America. She grew up in America. And so for all three of our kids, or all four of our kids, um, they are like Thai, Korean, American. Like, who are you and what are you is a very confusing question for our kids. Even more so living here in America now, it's kind of a confusing question for them. But for one thing for sure, they all say that Thailand is their home. Um, so our home is in Bangkok, Thailand. And you can see that's the actual full official name of Bangkok, Thailand. It's like, I won't even say it because it just takes too long. It's a combination of Sanskrit and Pali. And it just kind of speaks to the spiritual and the historical nature of Bangkok and what the city is really like. So the city itself is 24% of the whole population of Thailand. So the country as a whole is about 65 million, but Bangkok is about 15 million. And it's really the center of, of, the, whole, um, of the whole country. And so if you were to take a random sampling of 1,000 people in Bangkok, so for example, if I was on the SkyTrain in Bangkok, and if it was filled with about 1,000 people randomly, um, this would be the number of people who would be Christians on that train. Um, that's right there in the green. So out of 1,000 people, you're lucky to find eight or nine people who are Christians in Bangkok. So even though the Christian church has been in Bangkok for a long time, it's, um, it's really still primarily Buddhist, and Bangkok even more so. And so that's really one of the things that's really challenging about that, because for when we first went to Thailand uh, back in 2005, this number was not eight or nine. It was actually three. And so now it's really expanded a lot. Not, not primarily because of us, okay? There's no co correlation there. Um, but we just really see that God has been working there in, in many big, big ways. But even though the, there are missionaries allowed there and there are Christian churches, there's still a long way to go in terms of the gospel and the places that it needs to go, even throughout Bangkok. And so that's just kind of a picture of what it looks like in Bangkok. Now, for me, the last uh, 16 years, so I did two years of language school, and then 16 years, I was actually teaching in the university. So you guys starting off, University of Michigan starting off really soon, it just kind of reminds me of like what it was like for me for the past 16 years as I was working in a campus situation, but I was actually teaching at the university uh, as, a, as a teacher at the university. That was my platform to get to know students and to build relationships with them and to just have an opportunity to befriend them, get to know them, and to be able to eventually share the gospel with them. Well, we've pivoted in our ministry, and so we are now leaving that campus ministry because we, how, how long did you guys do online here? Online work or online studies here in, Michigan, in Minnesota? Two years. Wow, okay. Some of you are still doing online, right? Um, we actually, in our university, were online for three years, okay? Yeah, you're like, oh, that's how it felt, okay, when I was teaching online. And I don't know if it was like that here, but when I was teaching online, no one had their cameras on. 
Some of you are like, mm, yeah, that was me too. And, 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 and my students were later on pretty honest with me that most of them were either in bed, okay, and they turned on, their, they turned on and signed in for attendance, and then they'd either fall back asleep or they'd be on Netflix, okay? And they were just really honest with me. And so for me, I was doing that for three years. And to be honest, it was really, really, really hard, okay? If it was hard as a student, you can't imagine how hard it was as a teacher, okay? But the other big thing was is that the whole purpose of my teaching at the university was to build relationships with the students. But then I, I had no opportunity at all, even to see them face to face. And so at, during that time, we really, really had to reconsider, as I'm getting older and stuff too, we had to really reconsider that at the university, it was becoming a lot more difficult to do ministry there. The university was not very open to having a Christian teacher uh, sharing and meeting with students. And, and so and with all these different things, it made us really consider if we needed to pivot in our ministry, uh, working away from college students and working and going in somewhere else. But as I was cleaning up my desk this past April, you can see this picture. Oh, oops, back. Uh, oh, go, if you can go to this picture, uh, this one. Um, if you see here, what I did was as um, to get to know my students, uh, and to get to learn their, learn their names and faces, I had each one make a little information card. And when I was cleaning up my desk this past April, I realized that, I didn't count them, but I kind of calculated out, this is about 4,500 name cards. That's not including my three years online classes. So in total, it's probably almost up to 5,000 students that I had an opportunity to get to know. And, and the other little secret thing that I do with these name cards was that I use these name cards to pray for people during proctoring or when I was stuck in Bangkok traffic, man, St. Paul traffic and Minneapolis traffic is really nice, okay? When we'd be sitting, I'd be sitting in traffic for like a half hour just to go like a couple miles, I was sitting in traffic, I'd use these name cards to kind of pray for people and pray for these students. And, and, and it was really, really striking to me because in, in a semester where I'd have about almost 250 students sometimes, I was super lucky if I had one student who was a Christian. And so as I thought about that, in the course of like the 16 years I was teaching, almost 5,000 people that I was able to pray for and praying for their souls, and it just really struck me the possibility that, that I might have been the only Christian to lift up the soul in the name of Christ. It was just really overwhelming when I thought about that. And so it's really, a, an, a, it's really an honor when I think about the opportunities, and we're trying to figure out now in our ministry how to kind of like, um, what's the English word? Um, <laughs> um, connect, okay, to connect our college students that we've met who are now alumni uh, to the new ministry that we've pivoted to. So during COVID, because I was online, my schedule was a lot more flexible. Uh, unfortunately, not too flexible to do Netflix more, but more flexible to attend other meetings. Um, and so I, I actually got involved with this ministry called City to City. And this was established by the late Tim Keller. And this is a gospel renewal ministry that focuses on church planting and training up church planters. And so I got involved with this because they did their sessions online. And even in this past, in this past year, what we did was we took the materials and we translated them into Thai. And we did training sessions for Thai church planters. And in this past um, May, in June, we actually did a session, a training session for a week where we were able to train up 11 church planting teams who were then, in this year, planning and hoping to plant 11 churches in the Bangkok area. And so I got involved with this. And then also, um, during COVID also, um, there was a, a, a Thai church that we were involved with. Uh, one of the pastors invited my family to join with him in planting a new church 
at this area called Ari. Now, I know that hipster in America means one thing. What does hipster mean here? Hipster is kind of like, they dress a certain way, right? They wear suspenders, have the beard, the hair like that, and, you know, like that, and they wear thrifty clothes and stuff like that. That's, 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 in Thailand, that's not what hipster means. Hipster in Thailand just means new and trendy. And so these guys, this pastor had a vision to plant a church in a new and trendy area called Ari, where people go for really, really like, uh, like trendy cafes. They're like in a two kilometer, uh, two, one and a half mi miles, one and a half mile uh, area radius. There's about, there are about 50 cafes in this area. Now I noticed in America, it was kind of a culture shock. The only cafes in America are Starbucks, and Starbucks, <laughs> right? Maybe Dunkin' Donuts, if you count Dunkin' Donuts as a cafe, but there really aren't that many cafes. But if you go to Asia, there are cafes everywhere. And in Bangkok, there are raccoon cafes, there's a cat cafe, there's a dog cafe, there's a DIY cafe, there's a construction cafe where you can actually make your own birdhouse kind of thing in the cafe. There's all kinds of things. And so in this area, we decided to reach out to the young working professionals who live in this area. And so as we, this is our launch team that we had started to meet before COVID, and then the pandemic hit. And you know, in Thailand, we were the first country to, to, to lock down during the pandemic, um, and uh, even before you guys here. And then so we actually started our church during the pandemic, uh, which meant meeting online, sometimes meeting in person because we were small enough that we were able to do that as well. And so this is a little bit of a picture of what our church looks like, uh, Gospel City, Bangkok. And then what's really interesting and significant is that we worship like this on Sunday in the morning, and then uh, it looks like this. And then at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, one more slide, yeah. And then one more, uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, our church actually turns into a cafe. A cafe. Okay, <laughs> it turns into a cafe. And that was part of the platform for our church to reach out to the young 20s and 30-somethings. We wanted to do something that would be uh, to be able to engage the, 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 the neighborhood, get other people to come, invite people to come as well. And so we opened up this cafe, and it's called 34.8, which comes from Psalm 34.8, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so it's really kind of trendy. You can see from the picture, the next slide, you can see from the picture, the standard thing, people will order their cafe coffee, and then they'll go around, and they'll Instagram throughout the whole cafe, and then sit down, and then they'll enjoy their drink. And that's kind of the idea behind that. So it's good coffee, okay? It's, it's pretty good coffee. It's kind of expensive. It's good coffee, but that's kind of the, the target that we were trying to reach, and kind of doing a new way of evangelism, new way of reaching out to different people as well. Doing other things, like, for example, a few weeks ago, they had a kimchi-making um, class, um, this next couple weeks, they're going to, where the church is going to be doing, uh, I forget what the thing was, uh, a last, a uh, few months ago, we did an outreach using a K-drama, because K-dramas are so popular in Thailand, we did a K-drama uh, outreach using the, the, the show The Glory. Anybody watch The Glory? Okay, I don't recommend it. It's not a great show. Well, I, um, but it's really popular, and so we did an outreach using The Glory. So it gave us an opportunity to try out different things, especially trying to reach out to people that look a lot like you guys, okay? A lot like you in terms of your age range and in terms of your demographic and where you are as well. And so that's where our church and our cafe is. And so um, one of the great ways and the challenges for us is try to figure out how to take these almost 5,000 people that we've gotten to know through the university 
And now how to plug them in and get them connected to our church and cafe, that's kind of the next big thing we're really, really praying about. So for example, this student right here, she actually, uh, oh, actually John, he came on a mission trip to Thailand a few years ago, and this is one of the freshmen that came uh, through that mission trip that John O was at. And um, she, after she graduated, started working. She was not yet a Christian. She started coming to our church when she started to work. And then in this past year, many years the process was for her, in this past year, she accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she got ma- um, she, not married. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she uh, got baptized at our, our church's two-year anniversary. Uh, and so we're trying to think and pray about how we can take, for example, students that we know and then bring them in and connect them now into this new stage of our ministry, which is working with young young people like like you guys. Okay, I kind of feel like I'm at home in some ways. Um, uh, and in that way, that's what we're really trying to do and trying to figure out how the Lord might work through that. And so this is a picture of our two-year anniversary. And so um, uh, at the church, uh, we do have a Thai pastor, but I also share the preaching with him. And in fact, uh, for the sermon today, you'll see my actual original PowerPoint because we, I, uh, we preach in Thai. And then um, we, because we have some uh, expats uh, who come, we also have a translation. So I actually do all my PowerPoints bilingual. So you'll actually see my PowerPoints. But, but in English, okay, not in Thai. Um, and then my wife is involved, and in we're all involved in the leadership, and my wife does the translation and all these different things. And so we're really, really thankful because in this new church and this new phase of ministry that we have, that, that God, we feel like God is really working, and we're really excited for this new stage of ministry in terms of pivoting from evangelism and discipleship now more to leadership development and discipleship, uh, not only with our church, but also with City to City, and also with my missions agency that I'm involved with as well. And so we're really thankful because, you know, honestly, the, the only reason why our family can be in Thailand, a huge part of it is to know that we have people here in America who are supporting us and praying for us, and that really, really makes it possible. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that in my sermon. But uh, I know, in uh, the next slide, I know that Thai food is really popular. And I just heard that St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul has a lot of Thai restaurants. Is that, is that true? Um, well, I know that a lot of you will also pray before your meal. And so we like to encourage people. Well, actually, how much does Thai cost here in Minneapolis? 13 to 15? Whoa. Okay. Should I tell you how much it costs in Bangkok? On the street, okay, in Bangkok, it's a buck fifty. Okay? Pad Thai. And it probably tastes ten times better than yours here. Okay? But so we ask and encourage, next time you have Thai food, and I know a lot of you pray before your meal. Oh, next time you're having Thai food and you're thanking God for your, your Thai food, your $15 pad thai, um, pray for Thailand. Please pray for Thailand. Please pray for us that the Lord will really work. Uh, and do a great work in terms of introducing people to the gospel and really raising up uh, many people to really follow and, and love the Lord uh, as you enjoy your $15 pad thai, <laughs> okay? Okay, well, uh, this, this afternoon, I'm going to be sharing with you a message that I had preached at our church uh, when we were first setting up our church about a year and a half ago. We were talking about this idea of covenant community and what that means, and wow, your church's name is Covenant Life Church, which is like perfect. So I know that you guys probably understand everything about covenant, but I'll just kind of give a little bit of a refresher as I talk about this this afternoon. So let me pray for us one more time as we get into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would please be with us as we look into your Word and help us to learn from it, learn from not just from your Word and not just words that come from my mouth, but Lord, that it would really come from your Word and your Spirit 
speaking to each and every one of us, no matter where we might be in our faith, for those who may have been Christians for a while, to those of us who are very new in the faith, to those of us who might be still checking things out, um, or to some of us who maybe have been dragged here against our will, we pray that you would help us by you opening up our hearts and that you would speak to us and challenge us from your word and that we might know what it means to be a part of this covenant community. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. <clears throat> so I'll be, I'll be just reading this from the, from the ESV. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may uh, give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, this idea of covenant, uh, this is actually a screenshot that comes from uh, a Bible project video. Uh, but the whole idea of covenant, we're not going to watch the video, sorry. Um, but the whole idea of video, uh, video I'm, I'm, the whole idea of covenant is this idea that, that there, there are two parties, okay? There is God in the Bible, and then there are the people of God. And then there are these commitments that are made from both sides and promises from both sides as well. So this side says, I promise to do this. If you do this, blah, 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 blah. And the other side agrees to that as well. So in this sense, covenant, if you really make it simple, really is talking about a group project. That's really what a covenant is. It's, about, it's a group project to accomplish a plan, specifically the plan that God has set. Now, here's the thing about group projects, okay? How many of you like group projects? I see no hands. I see a couple of hands. But if the hands, if the hands that go up are kind of like, eh, eh, who does not like group projects? <laughs> Why do you not like group projects? Come on, be honest. You're pulling the team. Ooh, the confidence. Everyone's like, ooh, <laughs> like that. The confidence. Like, so, so for, I was a teacher for 16 years, okay, at the university. And, and I kind of happened to recognize the, the students who like group projects and the ones who don't. The ones who don't, like, okay, guys, we're going to do a group project. And a few of them are like, yes. Others are like, no. And then they come up to me, teacher, can I, can I do it by myself? And I'm like, come on, you got to work together. You got to, your whole life is working together, blah, 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 blah. They're like, no, 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 teacher, teacher. And I'm like, come on, come on, you have to. And then others are like, yes. Because why? They get to benefit from the fruits of their friend's labor, right? They're the ones who like the group projects. And then the ones who don't like the group, my kids can't stand group projects. Because they say, I'm like, I have to do all the work. I don't trust other people. They don't come through. I have to pull the weight, that kind of thing. A lot of you are like, mm, yeah, okay. Well, in that same way, okay, covenant in terms of the people of God with God, it's really the same thing, okay? Because in God's group project covenant that he has with his people, he does all the work. Like the whole story, especially the Old Testament, is a story of how the, the people of God mess up 
every single time, right? But God comes through. So in that same way, this whole idea of covenant is something that's important, but, but if it's so inefficient, why in the world does God use it? Well, why? Isn't it just better for God just to do it on his own? Why does he pull into this covenant work project the people of God with him? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here, okay? So when we, we're going to talk about three things kind of quickly. Um, they, they look like a lot, but I'm going to kind of go through them quickly. So what God, what God has given to Christ, what God has given to the church, and why is covenant community important? So if we look at what God has given to Christ, and we look in these first verses here in verse 18, he, the writer, um, Paul, is writing to the people, and he says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, okay? So he's writing these things because he wants the believers to know for sure, to know for certainty, this hope, this thing that he's going to talk about, and he wants them to know about this, and he qualifies this, and he says this hope that he has called you, and it's also an inheritance, okay? So he is probably thinking... Uh, maybe they don't quite understand or get it yet, okay? So he wants them to know this for sure, what God has called them to. This hope, which is what he's called you to, and then his inheritance. And he goes on further, and he describes it more. In verse 19, he says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And he goes on, and this word greatness or power, he uses it actually three times. It's interesting because in the original language, he uses the same word. In Thai, they use the same word, but in English, they kind of like to mix it up, okay? So this immeasurable greatness is talking about that which is what God has given, and then he goes on further in verse 20 to kind of describe how it looked, okay? He says what Christ, what God has given to Christ he says this immeasurable power is when he raised him, talking about Jesus from the dead, and that he also seated him at his right hand. So he's talking about this power that God has given to Jesus, is, is, its immeasurable power is demonstrated in two ways. He says in the, the fact that he was raised Jesus from the dead, that he conquered death and sin, and then the other thing is the fact that he's actually seated at the right hand of God the Father, speaking about how his authority is over all things. So he's saying that this is the authority that God the Father had given to his son Jesus. And he goes on further into verse 21, where Paul says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Now, when he talks about this, um, yes, he's talking about government leaders and stuff, but, but specifically, Paul is actually, as he's addressing the culture back then at that time, he's really addressing this. Satan and demons when he's talking about this authority. He's saying that that Jesus, the authority that's been given to him, is above even Satan and demons. And that's the thing he wants them to be clear. Now, I understand, I know that in America, this whole idea of Satan and demons is kind of like, ooh, boogeyman kind of weird stuff in movies. And so it may not be something that's, you know, experienced by a whole lot of people or even thing that people, many, many people talk about. Okay? But, but let me illustrate with you uh, a situation in Thailand to give an example about how this works, even in Thailand and other parts of the world. So this young lady that has a circle around her, her name is C, and she was a freshman in my class, and um, um, she, was a, she was a very good student, she was very friendly, but I never really got to know her a whole lot, and uh, she kind of knew that I had the reputation that after students were in my class, that, um, that, that our family would invite them to our home. Um, after they weren't in my class anymore. 
And so she knew that, but she was a little bit bitter that she never got invited to my house. Um, well, one day, um, one day when myself and a short-termer who was with us from the States, we were doing an activity with some students. We saw C in the hallway, and then this short-termer uh, said, oh, she found out that C was my student, da-da-da. She invited C to my house for a Christmas party, okay? Uh, well, at, that at my house for her, this Christmas party was the first time that C heard about the meaning of Christmas. Now, it's interesting because during Christmas time in Bangkok, like, uh, I, I noticed stores are already like getting ready for Halloween, and it's it's just, just it's still August. Um, but in in Bangkok, starting around uh, late October, November after Halloween, because they're starting to celebrate Halloween now, even though they don't know what it is. Uh, but anyway, in November, they, like you'll see in the malls and the stores, Christmas trees, Santa Claus, snowman, um, like snowflakes. Even though most people have never ever seen that stuff before. And so most Thai people associate Christmas with Santa Claus and Christmas trees. Um, but it was the first time that C uh, heard about Christmas being the birthday of Jesus Christ. And so she was curious, and she wanted to learn more. Um, so she, as she wanted to learn more, she decided to join our Bible study, even as a Buddhist. And as she was learning more and more, even in the crazy, crazy academic schedule, she would still come to our Bible studies. But as she was learning about Jesus, she struggled with the whole question of whether her family, how her family would feel about the fact that she was even interested in Christianity. And so she still went on and she kind of wrestled with the whole thing. And then one day, after over about a year of her own learning about Christ and coming to my Bible studies, she knew that she could no longer deny the, the truth of the gospel. And in the privacy of her own home, she, in her own room, she asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior, and she gave her life to the Lord. And we were, we were, so, we're like, oh, that's awesome. We're so sad we weren't there at uh, that happened. And then it just really, she just, her passion for, for the Lord really grew and grew and grew as she's sharing with other people. And eventually she ended up actually introducing the gospel to, uh, to the, oh, next picture. Um, carefully choreographed. Uh, next forward picture. Is it the wedding picture? Yes, okay. Um, she actually ended up introducing this guy. His name is, he's actually a Chinese guy. Introduced him to the gospel, and he became a Christian. Well, one thing led to another. They ended up getting married, okay? And then even at their wedding ceremony, that's me in the green tie. Um, at the <laughs> we'd purposely cut my head off in that. Um, but we, uh, at the wedding, because both sides of the family and most of the families were not believers, they, Peter and C, they deliberately wanted to make a very, very gospel-filled wedding service, wedding ceremony, to introduce the gospel to, to, to all the people who were there. Well, she happened to invite this one young lady, and her name is Sue. Now, Sue went to the same university, but she was never one of my students. And Sue was at that wedding also. And as Sue was going through some really tough times, she was flipping through Instagram, and she remembered the wedding that C had gone to, and she remembered that C was a Christian, so in the midst of her difficulties, she asked C if she could go to church with us. And so this is actually our, because C and Peter, they actually joined us in our church plan. So this is inside our church, in the new church. So Sue came to church on a Sunday, and on that Sunday, the very first time she stepped into church, Sue uh, was, heard the gospel, and she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Now, that's not a normal, normal story. It was a long process for Sue, for her to come to the point and it was just that day when she came to church was just really the right moment for her to just surrender her life to Christ. Well, Sue was really excited about what happened now. 
And so then she actually contacted her mother and was excited to tell her mother the news. But when she talked to her mom, her mom asked her right away, Sue, are you playing with black magic? And the Sue was like, huh? Well, what is that? Because her mother asked this because her mother had recently consulted a, in a fortune teller. And the fortune teller, as she was going through the different members of the family, when she came to Sue's name, the fortune teller said, I cannot see Sue. Something powerful is blocking Sue so that I can't see. So then, therefore, her mother concluded, oh, she must be messing with black magic, which is a very real thing, even in very modern Bangkok. Well, when Sue then was like surprised by that, she decided to ask, she wanted to ask her sister um, uh, about the exact time and as she was consulting her about that, and she found out that the time that she consulted, the mother consulted the fortune teller was at this, about the same time that Sue accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And it was like such a strong, clear example to Sue that she knew for sure that there was this Jesus that was protecting her even above the black magic and the dark forces that are around her. And so she was even more convinced about the power of Jesus through that. And she just really attributed that to Christ, that authority that Christ has over the world. And so that's a, a really, really clear example for us in terms of how we've seen what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, it, in, in a lot of ways, when he says in verse 22, he goes on further, Paul says, and he put all things under his feet. Now, I know that in American culture, it's not a big deal uh, if I went around just eh, pointing my feet at you. But in, in, for Thai people, this is really striking because the image, it looks something like this because in Thai culture, the, the feet are the lowest part of the body. And so for me to point my toes even at you guys is extremely rude. And you would never do that. So the fact that Paul says this, and that, that Jesus' feet are like above all these other things, it's a really striking picture of what that authority of Christ really looks like. And that's what Paul is talking about, really in, this, in this really, really pointed example. So this is the authority that God has given to Christ, but then we'll look now quickly at what God has given to the church. Now I'm going to kind of breeze through this one quickly. In Ephesians chapter 2, which is the next chapter that we had just read, if, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but let me point out something here interesting. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, and we look at this part in verse 6, it says, and raised us up with him and seated us up with him. Um, us, us with him. That's Paul writing in Ephesians 2. If we compare this Ephesians 2, which is talking about the believers, and then we compare it to Ephesians chapter 1, when he's talking about with Christ, notice the pattern here in verse 20. He says, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Little green boxes. Boom. Okay. And then if you look in, in the Ephesians 2 on the bottom part, speaking about believers, it says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him as well. So if you see this, he's saying that the authority that God the Father had given to Christ demonstrated in these two ways, right? That he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand. Paul is saying that same authority is upon all those who are believers in Christ. That's what he's saying. Now, that's what he says in the, in the church. So he's saying that that authority given to Jesus, and then Jesus gives that authority and that authority comes through the gospel and the covenant that God has given, that goes to all the community of believers. That means that all who are in Christ have this authority, uh, have this authority, that authority that Christ has. But you know what? I don't know 
when's the last time you felt like that? Like, you, as a, as a, as a child of God, have this authority over angels and demons, over all these other things, conquering death and sin, seated at the right hand. How many of you guys feel like that? I don't know. That's tough. That's a hard sell, right? Like, in, in the way that we struggle each day, in, in just even our battle against sin, in when you're in your workplace, okay, and then all these other people who kind of make fun of religion or Christianity or whatever, and you're there by yourself. How many times you're like, no, but I have the blood of Christ. <laughs> Most of us don't feel that way, right? And it's really interesting because Paul is saying this is something that's true. He wants all believers to know this for sure. And it's one thing to know it here. It's another thing to know it here, Right? It's another thing to know when people are saying and talking all these things about even Christianity or whatever, or even religion, it's really hard for you to feel like you have this position in Christ that has this authority to stomp out all these other things and stuff like that. It's really, really hard to think that way, right? But you know what? I really wonder, if we did know this more here and here, how that would affect the way we do things. Your confidence in your workplace when your conversations with people, the way you pray, I wonder if that would be really different. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be this arrogant, pompous, like, da-da-da-da, like, I am God's child. Not like that. But there ought to be something even more humbling for us to think that Christ, me, who, like, I fumble with my words, um, 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 that he has given me this authority that Christ has. That means that as Christ conquered death and sin, that authority, that's on those who are in Christ also. The fact that one day you're going to be seated at the right hand of the, of the Father, that is yours also if you're in Christ. And that really ought to change the way we approach life, our testimony, our witness, our prayers, just all these different things. Especially giving us more faith and confidence, but also to be really humbled by that, to be grateful for that, and to just be awed by that. But that's what Paul is talking about here, that he wants the Christ church to know. And I'm not going to go into the details about how that's going to work out. I want to challenge you to think about that as well, because I want to go into this last point about, uh, this last point about what is covenant community, why is covenant community important? Now, um, Paul goes on further in verse 22 and 23, and he says, he's given all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. Now, this word fullness, there are a lot of people who disagree about what this word means, a lot of scholars. And so what my example is not what this means. This is what, as I was trying to think about what in the world does this mean? Why is covenant community important? Uh, as, I, as I wrestled with this, I, I don't know what it was, but the week when I was studying this, I, was, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, and YouTube, algor YouTube algorithm kind of got me. And so I actually ended up learning and studying about these diamonds, okay? This is especially important if you're a single male or if you're a single female. This might be important for you or you might have it in your mind in terms of ring, okay, never mind. Okay, what, did you ever wonder how a diamond works? The way that a diamond works is white light comes in one side and then it comes out and it's like brilliant in all these different colors. Like how in the world does that work, okay? Well, in, sim in, sim in, in simple terms, the way that the, the white light goes in and it bounces around the inside and then the density and the refraction, it comes out 
and it, it separates out the light into all of its components. So that means that the more it bounces around inside, the more of the brilliance that you'll see, and it's actually called brilliance in, in, in gem terms, okay? And I thought about this, and I wondered, I wonder if this is somehow might be related to this whole idea of fullness, and why is the covenant community important? And you know, because I realized this, you know, my experience with God and Christ is my experience. It's kind of one-sided. It's limited by my own life experience, right? And I've seen God do some amazing things in my life. But you know what? Some of you have experienced God the healer in a way that either he healed you or a family or someone from cancer or something else in a very real way that I've never ever seen. Some of you have experienced God as your provider, maybe financially or whatever, in a way that maybe I have never experienced in a very real way. Some of you have experienced Christ, the restorer, to restore you from sin or whatever that is in a way that maybe others may have not either. And so as I hear your story, your story, and you hear my story, we see a fuller picture of who Christ is. And not only as I share that with other people, but even in terms of the way that we serve, right? Because I serve in a way, I have to preach and tie. I don't think many of you can do that. I'm not bragging because it's not that great. Uh, sometimes I feel it's hard. But I'm able to serve in a way that maybe you can't. But you know what? You have access to people in your office or your lab that I'll never, ever be able to have access to. They'll give you credibility that they would never give me. And in that same way, the way that we are able to demonstrate this fullness of Christ, that it's really difficult to do that on your own, by yourself. And so if we want to see this fullness of Christ in, in how huge he really is, we really do need one another for those who are in Christ to see a fuller picture of who Christ is. And you know, some of you might think, but I don't have a whole lot to contribute. I mean, I, 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 I can't sing, I can't play. But you know what? We all have this place that if we believe in the hands of God, remember, he's the one that has this authority to do this and do this, all that stuff, your limited skill set, he can use that. And so that's why I think, that's why this whole covenant community is such an important aspect, right? And, 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 and hearing one another's stories, sharing one another's stories, serving together in different ways is really an opportunity not only for us to be blessed by this fullness of Christ, but even other people in your office, in the university, wherever, that they might be able to see a fuller picture of Christ as well, that, that you alone cannot give. And so that's why, for us in Thailand, we have our part in Thailand. One of my daughters has her heart in middle school in Michigan. Another daughter has another part in the university. My son now has a part in St. Louis. We all, and you have your part in your place, all of us have this part, and as one covenant community doing this group project together, because Christ is the one doing that through his authority, that, 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 that we can be effective and that we can demonstrate this fullness. And again, not because we're perfect and got it all together, but that we're able to demonstrate, you know what, I'm such a, a shy person, but, 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 but God has enabled me to be able to share with other people or whatever it is that God has given you. So that together, covenant life, church, and then the whole body of Christ, that we can be this fullness together. And so thank you for praying for us. Thank you for covering 
St. Paul, Minneapolis area in terms of doing this group project that we all have together. And, and Lord willing that we'll be faithful in Bangkok as you guys are faithful here, wherever you are here in Minnesota. Let's pray. Would you I'll just give you like, I'm going to give you just a moment just to pray on your own, to reflect. Maybe some of you are, are not yet, have not yet surrendered your life to Christ. And maybe you have yet to really experience personally. You may have heard from other people's stories about this God who is a restorer, who's the guide, who's the shepherd, the healer, the provider, the just one. That maybe you have heard other people, but you have yet to your own story of this in a personal way. And maybe it, it's time for you to surrender yourself and give yourself over to him. Maybe for some of us, we're kind of reluctant about how we're going to get involved in the church. We're not sure where we fit in. Maybe in terms of where you are in your work, that you need a refresher to not only know this in your head, uh, but also to know it in your heart. And uh, would you just take a moment, like you speaking to the Lord, where do you fit into this group project, this covenant that God has set for you? Um, wherever that is. And just take a moment just to pray about that, asking God for clarity and leading. And then after about 15 seconds or so, I'm going to pray for us in closing. Father, we thank you um, that you, through Paul, want us believers in Christ to know the hope that is in Christ. And Lord, um, to be honest, it's really hard sometimes. It certainly doesn't feel like it a lot of times. When we struggle, when we have our doubts, when we feel aimless, when we feel ineffective, when we're kind of wandering back and forth, and in the midst of that, Lord, Help us to know this truth, um, not because it comes of our own, but because it comes through Christ and what he's done for us. So help us, Lord, to surrender ourselves, our doubts, our fears, our questions, to lay them before you, that you might let us just sample what it means to have this authority in our lives. Not that we can arrogantly walk around and pompous, but that we can be even more humbled, be more awed and amazed the fact that not only that you would choose to work through myself individually, that, that Lord, that you would choose to work through all of us, even as a body. And so we ask that you would empower CLC, that you would empower CLC as a covenant community to, especially with new students coming back and work getting back into place and people settling back into things, that Lord, that you would help us all to really demonstrate as a church the fullness of Christ uh, by working together, serving one another, sharing our testimonies, and living in this hope that you have called us to. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the partnership that no matter where we are, in a small little classroom here somewhere, to a lab, to a classroom, to a lecture hall, to an office, sitting behind our desk at home, and sitting behind traffic here or traffic in Bangkok, that no matter where we are, that, Lord, that we can demonstrate this fullness by your grace. So we thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus.